All right, good evening. We are in chapter 5 of Shara B'Tochen of Cheves Lavaves. We are looking at the differences in attitude toward making a living in uh, a person who has B'Tochen and Hashem and a person who does not have B'Tochen and Hashem. And we said there are seven differences. And we went through, I think, two of them. Uh, the night before last, and then we did three, four, and five. We, we did three of them uh, last night, which means we have two left tonight. That's reason or difference number six and difference number seven. And then that's the end of chapter five. So, Amir Hashem, we can finish chapter five tonight. Um, I, I do believe tonight is... Lesson number 40. Can you believe that? Lesson number 40. That is amazing. The 40th lesson. Like the 40th year in the wilderness. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. So let's take a look. Continuing the differences between the one who has betachin and Hashem and the one who does not have betachin and Hashem when it comes to their attitude toward the means they employ in making a living. All right. Vehashishi and the sixth difference. Ki habayteach belokim hu ahuv lechol kitais bnei adam vedaitem neicha alav. One who trusts in Hashem is beloved to all classes of people. They feel favorably toward Him. Why? Because they are confident that He will do no harm to them. And they, 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 they feel okay. They feel good with Him. And they're not afraid of Him regarding their wives or their Property. They don't think that he's an unsafe person to be around. They're not suspicious of him, that is to say. And conversely, he is also very comfortable with them. They like him. He likes them. He's not threatening them. They're not threatening him. Why? Why, is he, why does he feel comfortable with everybody else? We know why they feel comfortable with him, because... He's a good guy. But why is he comfortable with them? Because he knows that any benefit or harm is not in the hands of a created being or within the capacity of a created being. Therefore, he's not afraid of any damage they may do him. Remember, if any damage comes to him at the hands of a human being, they were just the delivery system. And just as he's not afraid of any harm from them, he's not expecting or hoping for any benefit from them. In other words, if Hashem so chooses to benefit him through a certain person, well, that's fantastic. But no harm or help can come through a person except if Hashem chooses it to be so. And he is secure around them, and they are secure around him. He loves them, and they love him. Isn't that Barney? Can you say that? 
So maybe someone could Google that for me. Kamesha Bashem Chesed He who trusts in Hashem will be surrounded with kindness. And that verse is interpreted in all types of ways, usually divine favor, divine kindness. But here it actually is talking about human kindness. That because he has been talking in Hashem, everybody's lovey-dovey around him because nobody feels threatened. He knows that he can't get anything from anybody that Hashem doesn't want to give him. So he's not scheming to use people. And at the same time, he knows that no one can do anything for him or to him except if Hashem has decreed it to be so. So he doesn't feel either threatened by people or, or like he has to ingratiate himself to people. And therefore, you know, we've spoken about this a bunch of times. It keeps coming up. The interpersonal relationship aspect of bitochen. It's, it's come up a number of times. That bitochen isn't just about your relationship with Hashem. Bitochen is one of the foundations, maybe the foundation, of healthy interpersonal relationships. When I'm not afraid of you or... Um, either afraid of any harm you could do for me, or afraid of not getting benefit that I think that you have for me, it frees me to just get along with you. You know, there's, there's, no, more, there's no more scheming and plotting and maneuvering, you know, the social maneuvering and the, the image maintenance. Oh, that's exhausting, right? Image maintenance. You gotta make sure that people think of you what you need them to think of you in order that you should get from them what you, get from them what you need to get from them. Exhausting, absolutely exhausting, and futile. That's why it's exhausting. Because we don't need to do any of it. We can just be nice to people because they're God's kids and we should treat them accordingly. Beautiful, okay. Now, let's contrast this with the one who does not have trust in Hashem. Let's look at his interpersonal relationships. The one who does not trust in Hashem he has no friend. Because he's always envious and jealous of them. And he imagines that any good attained by them was taken from him. So that's an important point here. I, I, I'll get back to that in a moment. But he feels that when they are benefiting, it is it is directly diminishing from what he should be having. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to that. I want to con just continue the paragraph. Their sustenance is directly taken from his sustenance. And anything that has been denied him of his desires is on account of them. That's why he didn't get all the chocolate, because they ate all the chocolate. And it is within their power to grant him these desires. And if misfortune or disaster strikes his assets or his children, God forbid, how does he take that? Not as directly something coming from Hashem. Remember, that's not his... Worldview. How does he take that? He thinks that they are the cause of it. He's having money problems or he's having family problems. And he's got resentments against human beings who he thinks have caused him these problems. 
and that they can shield him from the harm and dispel the hardship. And if they're not, if he has the problems, it means they're not preventing him from having that hardship. Since he has these, these like axiomatic beliefs, it's about the way the world works, he comes to despise people. And he slanders them and curses them and he hates them. And he is held in contempt and detested in both worlds. Kamesha Amara Kosov, like the verse says, A man of crooked mind will find no good. Oh, interesting comment here in the private chat. Do you think lack of betochen is what leads to racism and anti-Semitism? Yeah, of course. Of course it is. Because people caused my problems in life. Which people? Well, the most identifiable people, right? The other, whoever they are, right? Of course. Anyone who has betochen, how could they, how could they think that anyone else, any group of people, undermined them or, or caused them to miss out on what they're supposed to have? Oh, now you're reminding me what I said I want to get back to. But remember we are saying before, whatever he's lacking, he thinks it's because somebody else had it. Someone else got it. Yeah. So let me just address that for a second. <sighs> the person who has no betochen or who isn't using the betochen at present um, the way they see things is that there are resources in the world and there's a finite amount of resources and that essentially we are in competition over finite resources. The word for this is scarcity and the attitude that sees things this way is called scarcity mentality. One who lacks bitochen is plagued with a scarcity mentality. So that any time he sees somebody else enjoying something, he immediately feels fear that this is diminishing from the resources that are now available to him. Conversely, one who has bitochen knows that everybody gets exactly what they're supposed to get from Hashem. And therefore, the fact that you got something doesn't take away what's meant to come to me. Because they're two separate issues. Nobody can touch the livelihood of somebody else. On a deeper level, Chassidus explains that our parnasa comes to us because there's a spark, there's a nitzotzelaki. And mitzadavedis habirurim, the refinement process of making the world a holy place, making the physical world into a holy place, which is the, the, essentially the process of bringing Mashiach, so everyone has a spark with their name on it, many sparks with their name on it. So you were sent to this world, your holy soul was sent to this physical world to, to, to deal with the physical world in order to refine it. And you do that by earning a livelihood and buying certain things and then using those things in your service of Hashem. And when you use you know, your food and your drink and your shelter and your clothing and your car and all those resources in your service of Hashem, so it elevates the sparks that are animating that thing. 
All right, and that's not random. That's assigned. Your soul came to the world because of those, because of those sparks that you need to elevate. So nobody can elevate the sparks that are meant for somebody else to elevate. Ein adam negeya means that everybody is assigned a certain chelik of avedas habirurim, a certain portion of the refinement of the cosmic refinement process. And nobody can take away anybody, anybody else's part. <sighs> Somebody's writing here in the chat. Isn't it extremely painful while someone is waiting for their Yeshua, though? Like when people are in pain, as you said, and they are desperate, when they don't get their answer from Hashem, they can feel unloved by Him, that it is their fault, or they are undeserving. Yeah, it is extremely painful. Yes, it is extremely painful. And... and I like how you write it, somebody is still waiting for their Yeshua. That's true, because their Yeshua is coming. There will be salvation, sooner or later, hopefully sooner than later. But while they're still waiting for that to happen, it's, it's very painful. And uh, personally, it causes me a lot of pain. And uh, yeah, it causes me a lot of pain to hear people's stories about different problems they're having. And, yeah, I don't like to hear it. I really don't like to hear it. It's really, it, it, I mean, whatever, nobody, not like anybody's going to, well, maybe they will. I, I don't even know if I have the right to say this, but. It's very hard to hear, okay, whatever, it's very, I don't want to be selfish, but people are going to do whatever they're going to do, but. There's a, there's a lot of pain out there. There's a lot of pain out there. And, you know, I, I, I can't even answer all the calls. I don't, I don't answer all the calls. And. You know, I don't even know what to say about it. I'm not going to tell people don't call me because if, if calling me distracts you for 10 minutes from whatever's going on in your life, then maybe I should just give you the 10 minutes of distraction. But it's We need, we need Mashiach, that's, that's basically, yeah. yeah. Nobody knows why somebody waits longer than someone else, only Hashem knows. Yeah, that's right. And anybody who says that they do know is cruel and a liar and arrogant. We see people all the time, good people, good people who are, who are waiting a long time for their Yeshua. And we don't know why. Okay, I want to I want to continue here. I'm getting more chats, but just want to finish up. Um, okay, Vashvi and the seventh difference in attitude between the one who trusts in Hashem and the one who does not trust in Hashem. 
כי הביתך באלוקים לא יהיה בעל, באמונה בקושר ולא בפוקד אהוב. One who trusts in Hashem does not grieve if denied a, requ- a request or if deprived of something he loves. And he doesn't hoard what is at hand. And he doesn't worry about more than what he needs for today. Because it doesn't even occur to him what's going to be tomorrow. You know this song? All right. I'll play it at the end. I'm not going to torture you with my singing. Um, because he does not know when his end will come. doesn't know when his end will come. You know the old joke about the, the old man? They asked him, how old are you? He says, let me just put it this way. I don't buy green bananas. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I don't buy green bananas. I buy bananas for today. All right. Rather, he trusts in Hashem that he will lengthen his days and provide his livelihood and daily bread. And he doesn't get happy about the future or aggrieved about it. He's living in the present. Like the verse says, Do not boast of tomorrow, because you don't know what tomorrow may bring. The Amr Ben Sira and Ben Sira says, Who's Ben Sira? That's a whole other discussion. We'll talk about another time, maybe. Do not worry about tomorrow's trouble, for you do not know what a day may bring. Suppose that tomorrow he is no more. He will have worried about a world that is not his. So if this is your last day, don't worry about tomorrow. Not God forbid that this is your last day, but you got to live for today. But rather, what does he worry about? What aggrieves him? He, by the way, there are things that bother him. You think he's la 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 all the time? No, he has things that bother him. What bothers him? That he feels deficient in coming up with what he owes Hashem. That's what bothers him. It doesn't bother him what he's getting from Hashem. He knows he's getting exactly what he needs to be getting. The only thing that bothers him is, am I giving to Hashem what I need to be giving? Because that's within your free will, right? And he tries his best to discharge his obligations to Hashem the best he can in his outer and his inner life, meaning private and public, because he thinks of his own death and the approach of the day of ingathering. Okay? He's thinking about, we have a very limited time in this world, we've got to accomplish our task, and that's it. And I can't worry about what I'm getting out of life. And first of all, Hashem's taking care of that, so it's all fine. But I don't have time to worry about what I'm getting. I need to focus the precious amount of time I have on what I'm giving. What am I doing? What am I providing? Okay. 
and his fear that death may suddenly overtake him intensifies his effort and zeal to prepare for his latter end. He doesn't really pay attention. He's indifferent to what he's preparing for this world. And this is what they say, the sages say, do teshuva, repent a day before you die. Well, who knows which day you'll die, right? Aha, right? <laughs> Waiter, try this soup. <laughs> Aha, okay. Upen and it explains about that. Yoshuva yem, repent today. Shema yamos lamacher, maybe you're going to pass away tomorrow, God forbid. Venimza kol yamov b'tshuva. And that way, his whole day, his whole life, every day will be spent in tshuva. Because you got to do tshuva the day before you die. But maybe tomorrow is the last day. So today is the last day. Uh, so every single day is doing tshuva. Like it says, At all times, let your garments be white. Garments being white means clean. Clean conscience, because you just did tshuva. So he's doing tshuva on a daily basis. All right, that's the one who has been talking. What about the one who doesn't? In contrast, the one who does not trust in Hashem, he mourns exceedingly if constant tragedy strikes him. Or if deprived of what he loves. Or if his wishes are denied. And he saves up great stores of material wealth as if he were secure from passing away. As if his days would never end and his life would never finish. Stacking up on uh, a garage full of toilet paper at the beginning of Corona. And all the while that he's hoarding material resources, he doesn't remember his, his end. He doesn't think about the fact that, uh, you know, there's an Elam Haba. And he doesn't give any consideration to... Torah, uh, and to making provisions for himself in his ultimate destination. You know the story about the Magid? The Magid had a friend who came and visited him. The Mezritche Magid, the Magid Agodl. So he had a friend who came and visited him, and he says, you live so poor, how could you live like this? You don't have furniture. You just had like a, a block of wood. That was the table, that was the bench, that was, you know, that, that was everything. So he says, how do you live like this? Where's your furniture? Come on, a little furniture. So the Magad asks his friend, where's your furniture? He says, what do you mean, where's my furniture? Show me your furniture. He says, I'm passing through this town. I'm just a guest. I don't bring my furniture with me. My furniture's at home. You want to see my furniture? Come with me. Come to my house. I'll show you my furniture. So the Magad says, exactly. Come to my house. I'll show you my furniture. He's sitting in the Magad's house with him. And where's your furniture? And the Magad says, come to my house. Then you'll see my furniture, my house, my real home. That's where I have my furniture. His confidence that he will live a long life. It is the cause of his 
prolonged passion for the affairs of this world, and conversely, it is the cause for his slight interest in what concerns his latter end. His priorities are the opposite of what they should be, because he thinks he's going to live forever. Yeah, we're good. I'm going to keep going. All right, I'm going to keep going. And if someone admonishes him, a professional admonisher, like a preacher or something, or a teacher counsels him, and tells him, how long will you neglect to give thought to the provision you should make for your final journey and to the concerns of your ultimate destination? If somebody will ask him that question, Amar, he will reply, until I've provided for my own livelihood and my needs and the needs of my family, my wife and my children to the end of our days, then when I have peace without worldly concerns, I will be free to fulfill my obligations to the Creator and will consider making provisions for the appointed day. I have to take care of first things first. I have to get my ducks in a row. Then I'll be able to worry about spiritual stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, just to sum it all up. We just learned two more differences between the one who trusts in Hashem and the one who doesn't, reason number, or difference number six had to do with interpersonal relationships, getting along with other people, not feeling threatened by them. Reason, uh, difference number seven had to do with, uh, you know, their anxiety level, basically. The person who has betachin isn't worried about it tomorrow. All he worries about is the stuff that's under his control, which is being as good of a servant of Hashem as he can be today, whereas the person who uh, doesn't have betochen, he's constantly worried about having enough of the material resources and uh, never pays attention to taking care of the one thing he really actually has any power to take care of, which is his own spiritual fitness and his own relationship with Hashem. Okay, and that concludes chapter 5, Baruch Hashem. We will continue next time with chapter 6.